Our subject here tonight is what in the world is the church? What in the world is the church? And this is a copy of what you're being given there. I'm going to put this on the screen here. And then we're going to focus it. That wrong button. I always hit the wrong one. That's the right one. And let's get a little bit larger. We'll start out. I know the bottom line is not is off the screen. Let me just go ahead and draw it back. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. What in the world is the church? Church in the world. Amen. Everybody ready for that? Got some interesting things to talk to you about here tonight. We're going to cover a lot of things about the church of the living God on the face of this earth. Talk to you about it and uh, show you scripture and so forth, how God looks at us and how the world even looks at us and uh, how special we are in the sight of God, how special we are. I want you to look at number one here. We're going to start with that. What in the world is the church? And the word church, if you look at the very number one here, the word church means called out. That is those who are called out of the world into God's earthly kingdom. Called out ones is another phrase, but it's really just called out. We're called out of the world, and that's the meaning of the word church. This it came, comes to us through the Greek language. And uh, <clears throat> under A here, it's important to understand this about the church. The church is in the world, but not of the world. It's in the world, but not of the world. And this is a very important thing to understand here, that we are in this world, but we are not of the world. I want you to look with me, if you would, in John. We're going to start with our very first scripture here. John 15, and we're reading verses 18 through 19. Just two verses here in John 15. Look at this very closely here. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, notice that, because ye are not of the world, uh, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Now, to follow up on that in this same passage of Scripture, if you look in the 17th chapter and the 14th verse, that's the next Scripture that we have right here that we're referring to. 17, 14, reading 14, 15, and 16 here in these verses. Jesus said, I have given them thy word. He's praying now in the garden before he is to be crucified and before they come and get him. And he's praying and he's talking to God in his prayer, talking to the Father, the man responding to the Spirit. I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Praise the Lord. So these two scriptures here give us a little bit of an understanding here about how important it is that the church be what it is in the world, but not of the world. One other verse of scripture is the one found in 18. 36 that we have right here. I refer to that verse of scripture. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So these scriptures sort of give us a picture here that the church, though it is in the world, it is not of the world. We do not bear the spirit of the world and the things that's very uh, like the world in that sense of the word. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to move into B here. I'm going to move pretty quickly through these verses and scriptures because I have a lot of things to talk to you about further on. Look at B here. The word church, notice this now. 
the word church appears in the Gospels only three times. Only three times it appears in the Gospels. Yeah, and then one one point, one of them I'll just quote to you, and this is where Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. Jesus said that. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's one of the places. But the word church only appears three times in the entire gospel books. But, and I'm continuing on here, from Acts through Revelation, that's the rest of the New Testament now, it appears 77 times in the word, and the word churches, that is the plural form of the word church, appears 37 times. So the word church here is talked about more and from the book of Acts through all the epistles. I don't enter the book of Revelation uh, where that in the uh, in the Gospels, the word church is very, very little, small time, very small used. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures here and talk to you a little bit about it. So we go to number two here. The church was originally referred to as the kingdom of heaven. By both John the Baptist and Jesus. This is why the word church was not used. It was the kingdom of heaven was the word that Jesus used in his earthly ministry to describe what would become the church. Use the word the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are the same. The kingdom of heaven is the way Matthew says it. The kingdom of God is the way Mark says it. And Luke says a little of the both. Sometimes the kingdom of Mark, sometimes the kingdom of heaven, sometimes the kingdom of, uh, of, of God. But the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is the same thing. In other words, you can look in the book of Matthew and see a scripture that says the kingdom of heaven. If you look in Mark, for instance, it'll say the kingdom of God. Same thing. Now, I'm going to move on here a little bit further here. Look at this very closely. The, king, the church was originally referred to as the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. By both John the Baptist and Jesus. So if you look with us in Matthew 3. Matthew 3. And I'm going to read the first two verses in Matthew 3. 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then I'm going to turn over to the fourth chapter just one chapter later in the book of matthew 17 uh, 13 verse 17 i mean chapter 4 verse 17 from that time jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand these were the Jesus words so from that point on jesus spoke very much extensively about the kingdom of heaven like i say in matthew is kingdom of heaven when you read Mark and in Luke, it'll say kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. But they're one of the same. Now, this is interesting. I want to give you the beginning here. The kingdom of heaven, the church, the, the, uh, it was prophesied by Daniel. Let me get it here. It was prophesied by Daniel. We'll go to Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. This is where the, the kingdom of God on earth, or the church as it would later become, called it was originally prophesied in the book of daniel this is the first place that is spoken of in the book of daniel so i want you to go with me if you would please to daniel chapter 2 and daniel chapter 2 is where daniel is explaining to the old king nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon about a dream he had and god gave daniel the interpretation and daniel's giving that that uh, king nebuchadnezzar was his name giving King Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of the dream that he had. And in the course of him giving that interpretation, I'm just going to read this verse of scripture that he says concerning these kingdoms that he saw that would come to pass. One kingdom would come and then fall. Another would come and fall. Another would come. And finally, in verse 44, and in the days of these kings, and he was referring now to that Roman Empire, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people like it was with other Gentile empires and kingdoms. 
They'd rise to power, they'd be almighty, and then they would fall, and that kingdom would be gobbled up or taken over by another empire, another kingdom. He was saying that in the end, that there's going to be a kingdom set up on the earth, which shall never be destroyed. I'm reading 44 still. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All right, now the church as we know it today is not a militant factor. But when the church, praise the Lord, appears with Jesus Christ at Armageddon, it comes with great power and force and power. And this is what this is talking about when it says, it shall consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And uh, so these verses here let us know that Daniel, amen, prophesied about it in the second chapter of Daniel. Now, also in Daniel chapter 7, this is the second I was in, now the seventh chapter. And we're going to go to the 13th verse. This is Daniel seven thirteen. This is where Daniel was given a vision. And in that vision, it was explained to him what he was seeing. And this is what it says here in verse 13. Daniel's giving a description of this vision that he had. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. This is speaking of Armageddon here now. And came to the account of the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Verse 14, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So again here, we're getting a picture here of God's kingdom on the earth when it would come. It would be the everlasting kingdom, and it would ultimately be the last kingdom on the face of the earth of all of these kingdoms, as Daniel was shown kingdom after kingdom after kingdom in all of his visions that he had and the Lord showed him these things. Now, the 27th verse is the last one we're going to refer to here in Daniel. And this is what it says again about the church or the kingdom of God on earth. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. That is Christ. Now, so I'm just showing you here that this is where it was first mentioned here in the uh, in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. And this is why that when Jesus, in his earthly ministry, knowing the scriptures and knowing Daniel, even within himself, without the Holy Spirit in him, even showing him, the Spirit of God in him, even showing him. But he knew it by scripture even, that the kingdom of God would never be destroyed. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He told he told that when he's speaking to the disciples. Upon this rock I'll build my church. I think it's I think it's Matthew sixteen eighteen or somewhere right in it. Sixteen fifteen sixteen eighteen right in there. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I'm just showing you here, folks, that the most powerful thing on the face of this earth is the kingdom of God, which is the church. And even though we don't appear powerful, and we never will, the Lord doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want it. That's not the way we are to function in this world. But when he finally wraps it all up, the kingdom of God, that is the church of the living God on this earth, praise the Lord, that will be raptured away one day and come back with him at Armageddon. When all of that happens, praise the Lord, this wonderful kingdom of God, praise the Lord, will be the greatest thing, and it will be the only thing that will stand forever. Can I just say this to all of us? If you're not in the church, get in the church. And if you're in the church, stay in the church. Praise the Lord. This is going to survive everything, folks. It's in the Old Testament in Daniel here, and then Jesus confirms it over and over and over, even in the New Testament. I'm going to move on here a little bit further because I want to get into some other things here. The kingdom of heaven, the church... Uh, let me, let me move on. B, the kingdom of heaven, the church, uh, would be a spiritual kingdom. We talked about that. It would be a spiritual kingdom. This is something that 
the carnal mind of men could not comprehend or grasp that it would be a spiritual kingdom. And I want you to look with me, if you would, in the book of Luke, the book of Luke here. And we're looking at 1721, Luke 1721. This is scriptures that we're referring to. These are confirmation verses to what we're stating here. And when he was commanded, demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You're not going to see it come around and come to pass like a, something just big blown up and some guy wearing a crown and all kinds of armies marching through the streets. That's not what it's going to be like. The kingdom of God cometh not with observations. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. And the Lord was telling these Pharisees that, and they just couldn't comprehend that. They wanted to see an outward manifestation of what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm going to also uh, refer over here to Romans chapter 14. This is another verse. Romans 14, 17. This is Paul's writings, and he says it very plainly here. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, which is referring actually to the things that were, were required under the law. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. So to be in the kingdom of God... You have to have the Holy Spirit within uh, you, me and you. We have to have it within us. We have to have the Spirit of God within us. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Ghost is in us, and he gives us peace, it gives us joy, and it will give us righteousness, live righteously. Praise the Lord. So these are all described as a spiritual kingdom. Number two here. Number two. Jesus described the church's characteristics as being similar to natural things. Now, a lot of these things I'm talking about are things that you are familiar with, and I'm aware of that. If you look with me in Matthew 13, for instance, Matthew 13, 24, I'm just going to refer to several scriptures here where Jesus spoke in, about in parables, and this is what he would say when he said them. Look at verse 24. This is 17, 20, 13, 24 of Matthew and another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man that sowed good seed in his field. And then he goes on to describe about how the sowing. So he's using a natural thing on this world to describe the kingdom of heaven. And they had to be able to say, Okay, I understand how the Lord is showing us that the natural things of this life is a type or a picture of what the spiritual things are in the, with the kingdom of heaven in us. Praise the Lord. Down in verse 31. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. So again, he's describing the kingdom of God as being a small thing to start out with, but eventually it would be a great thing, a great thing. That's where it's all going. Verse 33, this is another description. Each, each one of these is a certain description of how the church of God or the church of, of the kingdom of God would be or the living or the church itself on earth would be. Verse 33, another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven. Leaven is what women put into baking powder when they make biscuits and bread and stuff. And they put that in there to make the bread rise. They put it in the dough and they make the dough and everything and it makes the bread rise. It's leaven. It will affect the bread. You can take a small piece of dough, put leaven in, mix it all up. And, uh, and, and water as they, as you do it, knead it and so forth. And then leave it alone and it'll grow and it'll expand by itself. It's just like, what is it? Where is it? You don't, there's, there's nothing going on there, but something's inside making it happen. 
Another parable spake here to them, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of uh, measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like the tree. It's outward. You can see it. It's growing. People come in and get saved. We have revivals. But it also works privately and secretly. It's like uh, a woman getting on the telephone and saying to another lady, uh, I'm going to church this Sunday. Would you like to go with me? It's just working, you know. Man on the job says to his friend, he said, would you like to join me in church Sunday, you know? Or somebody says, you know, I've got all kinds of problems. I need prayer. I'll pray for you. And uh, while I'm praying for you, I'm going to keep praying for you and your family. And I want you to come and be in church with us. You notice this is going on all over the place. No, it's quiet. You're in a factory, brethren. And, uh, and I've been right there and I've done this. I have actually literally done it. Loud noises, machines running, and you're just yelling almost at each other because you can't hear over the noise and you're holding a conversation. Automobile bumpers coming down the assembly line that you've got to polish and shine them up and, and get the cranks out of them and so forth. And here they come. They're not there yet. And so you're talking back and forth, but you're yelling at each other. But that's the leaven. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Women hanging out clothes in the backyard. They said, hey, you know, have you heard about how the Lord saved me and how he gave me this wonderful Holy Ghost? You know what I'm saying? So the kingdom of heaven works in all kinds of mysterious ways. And this is what the Lord was saying when he said the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. Kingdom of heaven is likened unto that. And it's likened unto all different kinds of ways. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to move on here to number three here. I know I'm moving through fast, but I've got some things I want to share with you in a moment. The function of the church is to reach, teach, and worship. That's the function of the church. Reach, teach, and function. I'm just said in three words there. And that worship, of course, is God and worship God. The function of the church is reach, teach, and worship God. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about these things because this is what the, God, what the Lord wants the church to be. And, folks, if we will grow in these things, excel in these things, the church will grow. God bless you. This church has grown. Many of you have just grown with it. You, we've all grown with the church. And we have helped the church to grow, this local assembly. But the church of the living God is all over the whole world. It's everywhere. The kingdom of God, the church, is all over the world. It's in different foreign countries. It is all over the state. It is all over America. It is all over the world. It's everywhere. And we're just a local assembly, but how the church works all over the world and how it functions is how we also function as a local assembly. Praise the Lord. So the function of the church is reach, teach, and worship. Now I'm going to talk to you, A, here, to reach. It is God's divine plan that we reach out to the lost and bring them to Christ. Now I'm going to give you three verses here, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this. To reach, it is God's divine plan that we reach out to the lost and bring them to Christ. Look at John 15. John 15, 5. And uh, praise God. Well, let's see here. Where is it? All right, here we go. John fifteen five. He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Notice that. For without me ye can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. It's God's will that we bring forth fruit. Eight, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. This is talking about winning people to the Lord and bringing them to the Lord. And so it's God's will that we bear fruit for him. Praise the Lord. I'm reading here from Mark 16:15. He said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every preacher. 
every creature. Verse 16, I'll just throw that in just for free as I often say. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. But look at that 15th verse again. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The creature here doesn't mean preach to the squirrels and birds. That's happened. Did you know that? People read that verse and thought they could, way back in ancient times, someone was preaching to birds and little old animals and everything. That's not it. Creature here refers to mankind. <laughs> it's humanity. Preach the, the gospel to humanity. Praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every person, every man, woman, boy and girl, everyone, because it's their right to hear it just as we heard it and God brought us unto him. Praise God. I'm going to Matthew 28, 19, another very common verse of scripture to us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we know that name, of course, to be Jesus. The name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost. That name is a singular. It's not names like N-A-M-E-S. It's one name. Go back in all the world baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is the same name. It's Jesus. That's why whenever Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and they asked him, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And everywhere in the book of Acts that they baptized, they always Baptized in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 8, verse 16. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 48. They baptized in Jesus' name. Acts 19, verse 5. They baptized in Jesus' name. All these verses tell you that they baptized in Jesus' name, which was fulfilling Matthew 28, 19. So, but Jesus, notice here the part, go into all the world, teach all nations. So the Lord is giving us, giving them admonitions here to go and to reach the world and it was God's will that they do that. Praise the Lord. Now, look under those scriptures that I've got here. One, we must always reach out. We must always keep our own feet on solid ground when you reach the world, folks. When you reach the lost, keep your feet on solid ground. Are you listening to me very closely here? When, you, when you're trying to reach somebody, you, you keep your feet on solid ground. If somebody... Is drowning. Throw them a life rafter with a rope on it. If you don't have a rope, just throw them the life rafter. Throw them something. But if you swam, jumped in and swam out there, they and you may drown. They may pull you under. It, it happens. They know, it's a common fact. This has happened, and, and it's a common fact that it can happen. So you have to keep on solid ground. The life raft out, the rope, you hold, and you can pull them in. Praise the Lord. Man falls in quicksand. You don't go in the quicksand to get him. You have to stay on solid ground and stretch out a limb or a rope or something. Throw a rope to him and pull him out of the quicksand. But if you can't get in the quicksand, do you understand what I'm saying? So to win the loss, we go out into the world, but we don't become of the world to try to win the lost. And we have to be very careful about that. Praise the Lord. You go where the sinners are, but you can't go into the very dingiest places and the worst kind of places. You, you, it's, it's just not God's will that we do that. Uh, you can go into the honky-tonks if you want to, and you go in the bar rooms and try to preach to them in there if you want to. But most of them are not going to listen to you in there. That's not what they're there for. Uh, I remember that there's one, one case uh, where that I was... Uh, was to go into a, a place and somebody I said, sent a word they wanted to hear more about the gospel. And I went to this bar place out here, on a, out here on the, I think it's 192, out here on the river. And there's a bar, a tavern, so I think that's where it was. Maybe it was on 50, I can't remember which one it was. And as I started to go in, the Holy Ghost spoke to me so clearly and said, no, don't go in. Don't go in. So I told somebody, is so-and-so in there? And they said, yes. They said, go in there and tell so-and-so to come out, and I'll talk to them out here. They said, well, you go ahead on it. I said, no, no. You tell them to come out here. But the Holy Ghost spoke to me so clear. I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why I was not to walk in there, into that bar, and in there and try to witness that woman. But 
there's a woman. And she came out and she sat on the bench on a table outside. And I talked to her, spoke to her, and talked to her and told her about how God could save her and everything. Tears run down her face, tears and everything. And I prayed with her. And I think later on, her and her family came to the Lord, came to church, started coming to church. I'm just pointing out to you here, though, how that you can't go into that worldly, spirited type of an atmosphere. We have to be very careful. Always keep your feet on solid ground, but we have to reach. You've got to reach, praise the Lord. Reaching is a very vital and important thing. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit further here. We must keep our feet on solid ground. Look at number two here. Look at number two. We must reach them with the word. We must reach them with the word. Praise the Lord. The word of God. That's how we reach the world. Uh, Years ago, it got to be popular here in South Bavard County to build your Sunday school by getting school buses. Brother Jenkins, you remember all this. You were back there. And all these churches were getting school buses. And they were going around and picking up kids on Sunday morning, just picking up kids, picking up kids, picking up kids, and filling up these school buses and making their Sunday schools big. It got to be popular. The word got out that Sunday morning it was dangerous to drive around town. You may get run down or run over by a church bus, you know. They were school buses that had been, re- some of them repainted, and some of them had the name of the church on the side and so forth. Some of them was left yellow and just uh, repainted where that they could read the church sign. All kinds of churches, all denominations, all running these school buses, bringing kids to church. Churches, and so we got to thinking. Maybe that I got to think. Maybe that's the way we need to build our Sunday school. So I said, uh, "Yeah, let's." Uh, let's uh, we went out and bought a big school bus, and we got out then and started trying to rally kids to come to Sunday school. That's when we had the Snoopy suits, and we get out on the streets, and we had the clowns. You saw the picture, I think, in this weekend in some of the films, the clowns, you know, and uh, things. They're trying to get kids, you know. And remember, we'll come by tomorrow morning and I'll pick you up, you know, and we'll have a driver take the school bus by there. It got to be, though, that a school bus, it had to go a lot of places to pick up a lot of kids and they had to leave early and, it, and they were late getting through. Church, Sunday school could be out at, you know, we had Sunday school from 10 to 11, then 11 to 12 was church, something like that. And uh, so the kids on the Sunday school, they got on there about 11 o'clock and they went, they would take them home. Some of them were getting home till 1230 and almost 1 o'clock before they ever got back home because the bus had so many places to go. You understand what I'm saying? Or they had to leave like uh, like 830 in the morning to get make it around. So it got to be a problem. So we was trying to build the Sunday school and grow the Sunday school. So we got to where the people would pick up kids from there around the neighborhood to pick them up. And uh, we'd bring them to, to church, you know, and everything. Building the Sunday school. But the church seemed like that it itself as a, as a nucleus adult center wasn't growing that much. It was just a lot of kids and numbers on the board and it looked good. But, and I just said, you know, something's just not quite right here. I remember one time going to this uh, house and, and uh, inviting these kids. I asked the parents, can your children come to our Sunday school? There's a boy, a little boy and a girl. I never will forget them out of can't remember their ages. Maybe it'd be 10, 11 years old. His, uh, the boy was older and the younger sister. And I said, I'll be by Sunday and pick you up myself. And every day I told the parents, I went, I came by there. They were all dressed up, ready for the night. And I picked them up and brought them to Sunday school. I took them home. I did that for several weeks. And then I farmed it out to somebody else who lived close by. And I said, you pick them up now. And they, so they picked them up. And uh, this went on. Once in a while, that person couldn't make it. or They'd say, Brother Meyer, would you pick them up? Folks, this went on for a year. Over a year, we'd pick up these two children. And one day, he called me and he said, I cannot come. Therefore, I am asking if you could pick them up this morning, Brother Meyer. I said, sure. I know right where the house is. I know the people. I drove by there. And... Uh, Went and knocked on the door. They came to the door, suit, little coat on, tie, ready to go to church. 
And he said to me, mom and dad are going to church this morning. And I said, wow, this is working. You win the kids and then you bring the, you win the parents through the kids. This is working. That's what went through my mind. Mom and dad are going to church this morning. And then he continued on. So we are going with them to their church. And we'll not be coming to your Sunday school anymore. I said, okay, you're going to church with your parents to their church. Yes. Okay, that makes sense to me. I said, I'm not going to sit and argue with the kids, you know. Yeah, okay. Well, God bless you, you know. I turned and walked away. I never saw those children ever again the rest of my life that I know of. They may have grown up and I may have seen them didn't know it. But I walked away and I said to myself, something's wrong here. We're doing this thing backwards. We're bringing kids to Sunday school, but we're not winning the adults. Somebody else went in that home and won those parents to the Lord in their way. And so the children now are going to go with the parents to their church. And I came away and I said, God, you've got to help me to know what to do here. Now, listen close, close to me closely on this. This is where I began to pray. I said, forget all the Sunday school. We could pick up children who want to come to Sunday school. We finally got vans and had drivers, and we still do that to this day. Even some people that can't, can't drive and they want to come to church, and we have that service, and that continues on. But to grow the church, what was not just getting school bus loads of kids and bringing them to church to make a number look good, but I said, we've got to win the adults. And I started praying, and I said, God, how can we win the adults? Show me how we can win people in this city. Up in the panhandle, you could put up a big tent, a big old tent, sawdust on the floor, get everything, and have, you know, have bands up on the platform, make a wooden platform, put in some benches out there, little folding chairs. People would just come. People would just come and be there. You could have a revival. But down here, it didn't work that way. It just people just were, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't attend something like that. I, we had never done it, but I'd seen it on some of the others who had tried it. I said, God, what will work in this area? And the Lord laid on my heart to teach them the word of God in their homes. Now, Search for Truth had just come out about that time. I'd gone to the general conference. They had introduced it. A couple out of Louisiana had designed it made it all put together and they had made it and they said this is available if anybody wants to buy these charts so i sent off and got me a chart and a book and i read all about how to teach it and going home i said i could do that so i started going into people's homes people would visit our church and then they may never come back again we would get their names and address i'd go see them and i said i'd like to teach you a home bible study in your home and we'll never ask you to join the church. We don't ask you to join the church. We just want to teach a Bible study in your home. And they would say, yeah, we can do that. So, And so I started doing that. I'd, show, I'd call ahead, like if I was to be there at 7 o'clock, on, like on a Monday night. I'd call ahead about five minutes and seven and say, I'm going to be about five minutes late. Oh, okay, 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 no problem, no problem. And that gave them a time to scurry around and get everything ready for me coming. Because sometimes they'd forget. Oh, the preacher's coming. I forgot all about that. You know, That was a little technique I used. Then when I got there at 5 after 7, they were all ready to go welcome me in and everything. I'd say, let's go in the kitchen. Set a big chart I had up on the kitchen table. You got a little dish towel. We'd put it there and put the A-frame where it won't slip out. Yeah, yeah. They were always, they put the coffee on. When we get all through, we'll have coffee. Folks, we started teaching home, I started teaching home Bible studies. I was teaching four home Bible studies a week. My family didn't see me at night. They only saw me in the daytime coming and going. God bless my wife. God bless my children. They knew what I was doing. They knew how hard I was working to do this. And they were so supportive. Said, no, Dad, we understand. That's okay. The, the kids would say that. And I started teaching those home Bible studies. And people started coming to church. And what would happen when we get into the plan of salvation and everything, 
along the way, I would say to them, listen, we're having a special service this coming Sunday and really like for you to be there. Just would you come for this service? I wouldn't say, would you join the church? Remember, I promised them I wasn't going to ask them that. Don't join the church. But would you come to church? And folks, we started coming, bringing the, you know, they started coming to church. Praise the Lord. And, and they would come to the church. There's some of you sitting here. You're sitting right here right now. Somebody invited you like that. Am I not right? All right. Yeah, several of you. And uh, I'm just trying to tell you here that we started going into homes, teaching home Bible studies, and then we'd invite them to church. And they'd come to church, and in the course of time, they'd get under conviction that God would put upon their heart. They'd come to the altar, repent. We'd baptize them in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. And then we'd pray them and pray them and pray them through to the Holy Ghost. Then we'd have revivals along the way to, to have revivals. Or we'd have a revival and say, hey, uh, we've got, we got a special speaker coming. Come to the church uh, tonight. You know. And I'm just trying to say here that when we got, from, we got acquainted with them, they got acquainted with us. Praise the Lord. We could begin to invite them to church. We had uh, Brother Jay Sternman came here from these pastors in New Jersey. New Hampshire, I think it is. Uh, and uh, we invited him here to preach a revival for 13 people got the baptism of the Holy Ghost the week that he was here. 13 people got the Holy Ghost. And uh, Brother Tim Jenkins, your son, Brother Jenkins, one of them, was one of them, I remember. But anyhow, God just started baptizing people with the Holy Ghost and people getting saved. The church started growing. And I'm just saying it was all done because we put emphasis on getting the word and going into their homes in that fashion. It wasn't going into a bar room. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't going into uh, some tavern someplace and trying to get people to come to the Lord. But it was simply going into their homes, sitting at their kitchen table. And folks, we had all kinds of situations. I can't tell you all the situations. That was one house I taught a Bible study in to this couple. And they had a Doberman. And they put the Doberman in the garage. And the door into the garage was right out off from the kitchen. And I was teaching in the kitchen. And every five minutes, that dog would just charge at that door and hit it. Bang! And bark like crazy. Well, I'm teaching the Word of God, and it would just, it'd just go all through me. That dog, you know, rrr, rrr, you know. He didn't like it. I was in there, you know. If he ever got in there, he'd probably tear my leg off, you know. I didn't... Everything. Don't worry about him. Toby will be okay. He's all right. He's all right. Everything. But, but and I went through that whole Bible study. Hear that dog hit that door every five minutes. But I won them to the Lord. They came in the church. They got baptized. Praise the Lord. Baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Lived for God for a long time. They were from California and eventually moved back to California. But they got saved. That's the main thing. And I'm just telling you. I've gone into homes where you go in and they say, oh, come on in, Brother Myers. You have to try to walk through all kinds of stuff everywhere, just junk, toys, and, uh, I mean, on the floor, and you just tiptoe around it all. That's all right. All I, I have my chart, you know, and I get into the kitchen. Wait a minute. We've got to clean off. And they grab up a one time. I don't know whether I should even say it. They grabbed up somebody's underwear and just wiped the tape and cleared it all off, wiped it all off. Brother Myers, you sit right there. Okay, well, it's all right. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. You understand what I'm saying? I was there to win them to the Lord and teach them the Word of God. And I'm just trying to tell you here today that the Word of God is a powerful thing. And we kept winning people to the Lord. And we, I'm looking at people right today in this church that God won youth through, through home Bible study. It may not have been me teaching it. Maybe somebody else that was teaching it. Matt, I think I taught your family on Bible study. Praise the Lord. And uh, I'm just trying to say here, uh, and I I remember Dick Saez going to your house, Dick, and remember teaching you. We had another lady t- taught a home Bible study, and she got into the book of Revelation and said, Brother Myers, I don't know how to do this. I said, I'll come over there and teach them. And uh, Dick's brother uh, said, uh, I've got some questions. And so he, you know what his question was when I went there and taught? He said, can we come to your church? I said, oh, by all means, this Sunday you come to church. And I said, not only that, but when you come into the church and when the preaching is over with, you will feel a tingling go all over you. And when you do, that's when you come to the altar and pray. He said, okay. 
And that's exactly what they did. Dick and Carol and their brother Ken came to church. And they stood back there. And Carol and Ken walked down to the altar. I think Dick waited back for a few more weeks before he finally got the Holy Ghost. Remember, Dick? Remember that? And they walked down to the altar and lifted their hands and worshiped God and got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Folks, I'm just trying to tell you here that God's word works. It works. And we have to befriend these people. You've got to go in there and you've got to care for them. And you've got to, you know, if they've got a little dog running the house, pet him a little bit. You know, if he's a petting type, not a biting kind, you know, and everything. Spend a little time with the, 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 the you know, the children. They'll say, okay, the children, you go back in there and play. We're going to be right here. And everything. Then we'd have a cup of coffee. We'd pray. And I'd get to that salvation part. And I'd say, folks, this is the most wonderful thing. And I'd give them, a, you know, a testimony. And that 10 weeks would usually go to 20 weeks. So it'd just keep going. And those people would start coming to church. And finally, we came up with another Bible study. And next thing you know, it was other people. Sister Patchen started teaching home Bible studies. I'm just trying to say here, the word of God into their homes. And folks, the church began to grow. People started getting saved. And then I had all of these new people baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost or seeking for the Holy Ghost, whichever it was. And they were just brand new people. Then I had to establish another class. I preached on Sunday morning. I preached on Sunday night. I taught on Wednesday night. I taught Bible studies in between. And and, uh, we had youth service on Friday night. And then I said, I got to teach now new convert class <laughs> so i pick out one of those days that i can't teach a bible study in a home say on a on a tuesday night or a thursday night i got to teach a bible study to these new converts and i started saying we got a special class now for all you people that's just coming to church if you've never you know we start teaching about how to live for god how to serve the lord how to walk with god how to get to know the lord how to learn to pray how to you know do all the and just and let me say this folks the church began to grow. At one time, 80% of all the people in this church were one through home Bible studies. And that's when the church really began to grow and expand. Praise the Lord. And I just, I'm just trying to tell you here today that God's word is a powerful thing. So what, what I'm saying here is to reach the church must minister. We must continue to reach, teach the word. Praise the Lord. We must reach out to the world. Praise the Lord. We must reach them with, with the word. Number two is where I am. Now I'm going to move out of here. I've got five minutes. I'm going to close this out. To teach. The church ministry must continue teaching the word of God to the church. Second Timothy 3.16. If you look at that real quickly with me here. Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, this is Paul writing to Timothy, telling him that you can trust the word of God to teach it and to tell the church and to admonish the people to follow the word. Excuse me. Now, I'm going to read the 16th and 17th verses here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect throughout, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, speaking about him being willing to do these things. And also we're moving on very quickly into First Timothy. First Timothy in his chapter four. This is the next verse here. Verse fifteen and sixteen, first Timothy four, fifteen and sixteen. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that's the word, that thy profit, that their profiting may appear to all. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, that's the teachings. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Praise the Lord. So here are scriptures here telling us how important it is for us to teach the word in the church and keep that going right on now finally i'm gonna wrap it up with this to worship the church must always always push ahead folks in worship don't ever 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 back away in worship i'm telling you this is a key 
I don't care how discouraged you get. I don't care how many problems you get. I don't care how upside down your world may get. Just worship God. Praise the Lord. When you're alone, worship the Lord. When you're by yourself, just lift your hands and worship God. And when you come to church, I don't care if you're barely getting here. You know, fellow said, you know, I went out like I'm going to be a bright light shining and save the world. I came back with just a tail light just barely burning. You know, you may walk into church sometime and your tail light is just barely working and working. But when you get to church, say, I'm going to worship God. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out of here tonight. But right now, I'm going to worship God and worship the Lord and praise the Lord. You may not run the aisles. You may not get out and dance in 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 the aisles and everything. If you do, it's all right. If you don't. But I'm just trying to say here, worship the Lord and praise and glorify God because the Lord wants us to worship him. Uh, The last five of the Psalms, I'm going to Psalms 150. This is the last Psalm in the entire Bible. And I could read all, I could read chapters uh, 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, and they would all be heavy in what I'm going to be reading to you right now. But 150 is only six verses, and here's what it says, and it really puts emphasis on worshiping and praising God. Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. So many reasons to praise God. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psaltery and the harp, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath. That's, do like this and see if you got breath. You got it? Okay, you got breath. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And this is the way the book of Psalms ends. And I think it's so beautiful and marvelous. God bless you. You've been a great class here today. Let's stand together and let's praise the Lord right now. Just like that 150th Psalm instructed us to do. Let's just praise him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your kingdom on this earth, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for everyone in this church that you brought us out of the miry clay and out of darkness. You brought us out of the world. You brought us out. God, we ask you to keep your hand upon us. Go with us, Lord. Be with us. Protect us in everything, Jesus. Bless your people mightily, wonderfully, Lord. Do the healing work for those that need a healing touch, Jesus. We beseech you, Lord. Heal those that are sick and afflicted. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And everybody said praise the Lord. God bless you. Amen. You're dismissed in this name.